Welcome to a footy fan's dream. Round 15 sees four matches between top eight sides. The first time since 2012. Beginning tonight with a showdown on a Thursday evening. Nikki G's excited Thursday night football is back. The D's take on the Lions. It's one versus two. They're not as exciting. A rare Friday night double happens the day after. We'll see the uh, Dogs take on the Hawks at Marvel. We'll see the Bombers take on the Eagles out in the West. Then we see some uh, old-school rivalries between Geelong and Richmond, some new-school rivalries between Carlton and Frio and Swans and the Saints round out our Super Saturday. And if that wasn't enough, a late Sunday showdown between Port and the Suns wraps things up with every team looking for a funnel's berth or just not to try and finish on the bottom of the ladder. It shapes an absolute nightmare for tipsters, but with me to let us know what to keep an eye out on and maybe give us some winning tips as well is Footy Live's number one analyst, number one Hawks fan, and number one recovering sick boy from uh, June winters is uh, Nikki G. How is your winter solstice? Are you on the mend? I am on the mend, but hopefully I can still give you 100% today, uh, even though I'm not feeling 100%. But there's still plenty to look forward to. That, so that's getting me through the week, Gordo. Massive week of footy coming up. As you mentioned, Thursday night footy, two Friday night games, uh, four top eight clashes. So um, it really is a primetime week of footy. Blockbusters left, right and center. So looking forward to getting stuck into it. Let's get stuck into it right now. It's nice game. Is at the MCG? It's Melbourne versus Brisbane. It's last year's rematch of the qualifying final. And mm. the D's, ever since they had a punch on in a steak shop, have the wheels have fallen off the wagon. But people are still very hesitant to jump off their bandwagon. Meanwhile, Brisbane is finding their mojo back after calmly defeating St Kilda in comfortable conditions at the Gabba two weeks ago. Brisbane, not paying their best, still well inside the top four. And Dane Zorka's coming back, as is Darcy Gardner. And, um, you know, Melbourne, they'll see Stephen May come back um, in, you know, controversial circumstances. But that's going to need a lot of work as they're giving up 12 marks inside 50 to the Pies last time they uh, played in the AFL. Lots of juicy storylines, lots of juicy uh, statistical nuggets. But what will you be keeping an eye out for in particular on this game, Nikki G? Well, I'll be keeping an eye out on that massive Max Gorn void left in the middle of the grounds. He hasn't missed the game, Gordo, for the Demons since 2020. So we played every game last season and we know how good he is. Um, he's the best ruckman in the competition. And it's Melbourne's biggest strength as well is their midfield. And their midfield is used to getting that ball tapped down their throats um, from Big Maxi. So to not have him there... Um, it's going to be a massive challenge. Um, everyone has to step up. Again, like Melbourne's Melbourne's game relies heavily on hit out to clearance uh, domination. And if you look at their uh, last few performances where they've lost, um, the last two in particular, um, the the hit out to ratio, uh, the hit out to clearance ratio, sorry, was quite even, and that reflected on the scoreboard. But against Frio. Uh, Melbourne lost the hitouts 39 to 27. Therefore, they lost the clearances 40 to 30, and um, and that reflected on the game as well. They got uh, smashed by the Dockers in the end. So, if they're not winning the hitouts, if they're not getting the clearances, they tend to lose Melbourne. Um, and without Gorn there, will Jackson be able to step up? Um, it's, it, they're big shoes to fill. He's a good ruckman, so I expect him to come in and do something. But they're also going to be losing that. 
those intercept marks around the ground, the contested marks. Um, so, I mean, it, it's the onus is going to be on the midfielders, not so much uh, Clayton Oliver because, you know, he, he's still going to find the ball like he did against Collingwood with those 40-odd touches. But I'm going to be looking at Viney, Petrarca, Langdon. These are the guys that have just dropped off the mark a bit over the last few weeks. Langdon only had 10 touches against Collingwood, which was very unlike him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think everyone's game needs to lift. That's obvious. Uh, they, they haven't been at their best Melbourne. And uh, without Big Maxi there, um, it's going to take a big effort from that midfield group. Mm, absolutely. The other thing I've got my eye out for is the defence versus attack matchups between Melbourne and Brisbane. So arguably, I'd say their two biggest strengths. Melbourne's is their back six. Brisbane, it's their front six and all the scoring prowess they have there. Neither this mm. year overall have been playing at their best capacity like they were last last season. But I think, you know, look at that Saints game and, and Brisbane are finding themselves inside 50 more often now. They're finding themselves in more attacking positions. Can Joe Danaher exploit that? Can, can he exploit, you know, the lack of consistency and formations in that back six for Melbourne? If if they do, then this hoodoo is breaking. And so I would say you know, I'm going for the outsider here. The tip here for Brisbane, for mine, this should be a genuine 50-50 and it's not. I understand hoodoos exist. I understand they haven't won in Melbourne in nine years or eight games. They also don't mm-hmm. play the MCG that often either, though. So that stat is a bit uh, far-fetched. But uh, I'm leaning towards Brisbane for this one. But, uh, you know... We've said this about many premiers in the past. You know, Richmond were cooked after they ate a couple of kebabs in isolation and they came out and stormed home for the grand final and proved everyone wrong. Sometimes having someone to hate on is, helps at a football club, so maybe Melbourne will bounce back. But uh, on form alone, I'm going with Brisbane. And who are you going for, Nick? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll have to agree with you there. I'll have to go with form. Brisbane, um, look, the team in form at the moment, and I think they'll end the round as premiership favourites. But... I mean, that would mean four losses in a row for Melbourne. And I honestly can't remember the last time a team lost four games in a row during the home and away season and went on to win the Premiership. So um, it, that, that's interesting. I, I Honestly, I can't see Melbourne losing, but I do think they will. They just haven't been, they haven't really clicked for a while now, not just the last three losses, but even the games they were winning uh, wasn't their um, best footy. So... I have to go with form, and yeah, Brisbane Brisbane are that team um, in form. Uh, just to let you know that, you know, the four in a row, the last team to do that was uh, was Richmond. Was it Richmond? 2019. It was Richmond in 2019. Well, there you go. So there you go. If Melbourne does, you know, lose four in a row and then go on to win the flag, then you can book them in for a dynasty or dynasty light, <laughs> depending on what your definition of dynasty yeah, is. I know it's very stringent time. for Hawthorne fans. <laughs> Moving on to our early Friday night game, Bulldogs versus Hawthorne. On paper, you think, oh, easy game for the Bulldogs, but Bulldogs are in for a scrap now. They're hanging on to the edge of the top eight, and whilst Ooh. Hawthorne haven't got the Ws in the wins column that they would like and Sam Mitchell would like to see, he's got your troops, yes, your troops, Nicky G, playing yep. some aggressive, attacking, free-flowing football that is taking it up to the mark against all of the Premiership frontrunners. So this is no easy, easy win on the cards here for the Bulldogs, especially at Marvel in, in perfect conditions. Uh, Aaron Norton was enormous last week with a win over the Giants, you know, against the Giants, made this a bit of an asterisk. But Josh Bruce is back. And so finally we get to see the Doggies with more than one option up front. What will you be looking out for, though, with this game, Nikki G? 
Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting one because um, we can't get fooled with these two teams' uh, record or their last month of footy because, like you said, Hawthorne, I mean, Hawthorne have only won one game out of their last eight, surprisingly, um, even though, you know, the I guess the spotlight isn't really on them. They've been playing positive, um, promising footy, uh, whereas the Dogs um, are starting to find a bit of consistency, like they've... Um, I think they've won four out of the last five, but then again, the, the teams that they've beaten, um, being yeah, you know the Suns and uh, the Giants, they're not necessarily you know sitting in the top eight. So um, yeah, we can't really look into that. So I reckon this will be a, a tight, tight contested game. Um, Hawthorne did get the chocolates last week, but what I'll be looking at. Gordon is the Bulldogs' defence. Not so much their midfield. I know their midfield is far more dominant than Hawthorne's, but the last few weeks, they've conceded seven goals to Toby Green. They've conceded six goals to Jeremy Cameron, four goals to Jack Darling, even though they won by 100 points in that game, and five goals to Joel Jeffrey. So, I mean, Hawthorne regained Mitch Lewis this week. They should might regain uh, Jack Gunston as well. So, for some, for, for one reason or another, um, they always let you know, one forward, whether he's tall or small, uh, get out the back and kick a few goals. And if it's a tight game, that I think it will be, um, it, it could be dangerous for the Bulldogs and they can't afford to lose games like this um, if they're going to make finals. They're probably one loss away um, from officially being written off, I think. Not mathematically, but you can't be losing games at Marvel Stadium to Hawthorne. So that's one to watch for me. Hmm. Another thing to keep an eye out for mine is just the non-negotiables consistency with, with Hawthorne. I think we've been very impressed, we, the general public, the general media, I suppose, have been very impressed with Hawthorne this year, but they haven't got the, the wins to back it up. And after a while, you see that, you know, with Gold Coast started off seasons like that, a good, a good front nine, but a, a pretty poor back nine. The thing I'd like mm. to see for their development is just to make sure they stay within games. Again, they don't have to beat the Dogs, but I think the Dogs are a side that they could pencil in and say, no, we can beat these. Like At the moment, Western Bulldogs are not a Fremantle or a Melbourne or a Brisbane. They're not not the untouchables. We should be competing and, you know, maybe winning this game as well. And so hopefully mm. they can turn, you know, they, they keep themselves in games because they're so efficient in, in, in their front 50 and they score so potently once they get there. But hopefully they can turn some of those other metrics around, you know, be a bit more in touch with teams in, in clearances and contested footy and a bit more in touch in, in their defence as well. And so... Yeah, hopefully it's just another stepping stone of development, which I'll be keeping an eye on, because at the, at the end of the day, I think it is a comfortable tip to the Western Bulldogs, but um, only if the Bulldogs play somewhere near their best. Mm, mm. I have to agree there, Gordo. And actually, it's it's funny, because if you look at the numbers, the like the contested possession um, count over the last month is, is quite staggering. The Bulldogs rank first. Whereas the Hawthorne, whereas Hawthorne ranks seventeenth, so it's quite a big gap. And yeah, you're right. If if Hawthorne are any chance, they they have to f- find a way to bridge that gap. And um, yeah, they can't allow Bulldogs to get that ball out of the source at free will. Mm. So we'll move on to the second of Friday night games, and I suppose this one at least makes sense with the uh, the time difference in WA, and you know fans from WA obviously can't make it to Melbourne and vice versa. But yes, West Coast are taking on the Bombers at Optus Stadium. 
But the Bombers, this was meant to be last chance saloon game. This is meant to be cellar dwellers. But they stole the headlines last week with an upset win against the well, sad St Kilda. And sad for them because you know, you don't want to lose to Essendon. You don't want to lose to Essendon. You don't want to lose to Essendon when you're meant to be a top four side. But they did. More on the Saints later. So now all of a sudden, Bombers fans are up. All of a sudden, you know, sports bets just got Bombers as clear favourites. But a week ago, this would have been, I think, quite a tight game, especially on the back of the Eagles' performance against Geelong. Yes, Geelong are going through a heavy training period and they're always bad off the bye and all the excuses that Chris Scott can give us. But I think we're seeing an upward trend on West Coast. What will you be keeping an eye out for? Do you have any faith in the Eagles? I do, and I think you're spot on. We are seeing an upward trend in... um, I think that's largely largely due to the fact that they're start slowly, slowly getting their players back. Yo and Sheed came back. Um, Shuey and Hearn are back in the side. They might get Nick Knapp back this, back this week, but I doubt it. I think he'll go through the waffle. Cripps, Tim Kelly didn't play last week. So that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. The the players, uh, the, the returning West Coast Eagles um, crew, uh, I think, yeah, bit by bit, they're slowly getting games together. Uh, they played the Cats last week, and I thought it was probably West Coast's second-best game of the season behind that win they had against Collingwood. And, look, they're going to be playing Essendon at home, so I'd be surprised. I don't think any Essendon supporter, even though they won last week, they won't be comfortable heading to Perth and uh, writing this down as a win. I think um, it's certainly a danger game, and... Yeah, I think West Coast have improved steadily over the last couple of weeks against Adelaide and Geelong. And, uh, yeah, playing at home again, I think that this could genuinely be um, an upset. We'll be back after a quick break. I think so as well. And the thing I'm looking out for is that can Essendon maintain winning performances in the sense that you look at the look at the numbers last week and it's not like Essendon dominated St Kilda in any facet. And it mm. came down to just St Kilda were really, really poor in their forward 50 in conversion and Essendon were able to hit kind of average numbers. But I think, you know, they need more than average against a decent West Coast side. So I think it's fair enough to say that St Kilda were poor last week and West Coast were... Oh, sorry, Eston were, were, were good. And West Coast were at least average, if not good, against Geelong. And so, yeah, can they maintain those standards travelling two weeks in a row for this, you know, now so-called young and developing rebuilding side, even though they're meant to be a top eight side this year? So lots of question marks. It's one that Eston should win, but as I agree with you there, that it's one that Eston fans will be very, very nervous about. And it's one mm-hmm. if you're looking for an upset tip early in the week, and again, really, this could be eight upsets this week, I reckon. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't be a mug to tip West Coast, that's all I'll say. Yeah, for sure. 
So the early Saturday game is an absolute humdinger. Carlton versus Fremantle. It's a rematch of the round six match. And we came into that round six match with being like, this is the benchmark game for both sides. Can Frio finally, you know, prove that they're on the mend and can play finals? Well, absolutely, they could prove that. They proved that they're actually a top four side this year. And you heard me talk about it, a nauseam for the last couple of months. For Carlton, it was the opposite. They were meant to be on this massive rise. If they win this game... On the road, it proves the blue baggers are in. And then since then, they've kind of wobbled around. So, yeah, you know, they're 7-2, they're and 6-3. and three, But where are the Blues at the moment? And do they need this win? Is this a must win for them to confirm their spot, not only in the eight, but also, you know, on the fringes of the four? Or is it, can this mm. just be, you know, a, an honourable loss for the Blues? Where do you sit that in terms of the must-win credentials? It is a must win. Um, obviously, like it, it's so tight, and I mean, it, any four points on any given week is going to be important. Honestly, Carlton could still miss the top eight, and it, I have to admit they've been one of the most unluckiest sides this season's uh, this season in terms of injuries. Um, losing, can you imagine any team losing their three best key defenders? They've lost Weedering, Mitch McGovern. Uh, March Bank, they lost Williams, Zach Williams. So, look, I think they've done well uh, considering that the men that have gone down, also Pitnett as their one and only Ruckman at the moment, or their, yeah, their first choice Ruckman. So, um, again, like any four points just gets them closer to securing that finals berth, and I think that's all, that's what's important for them. Um, I don't think they'll be too fussed about making top four. Again, like the injuries haven't gone their way this season, so um, I think for them, play finals this season. That's the goal. Next season, load up, and that that will be their window where they've got a full healthy team back and maybe getting in, getting another free agent or two. But for this game in particular, Gordo, my my thing to watch will be Nat Fife. I spoke about uh, the injuries uh, in Carlton's defence. Fife has been playing forward. He's already had one game under his belt. Now he's had a bye as well just to get a little bit extra rest um, after a couple of weeks of footy. So uh, he's, yeah, going up against the undermanned uh, Carlton defence. I think he could be a genuine X factor for the Dockers. And he likes, he, he doesn't mind playing at Marvel Stadium as well, Fife. So that will be one to watch for me. Absolutely. One thing for me to watch, and this will also be mentioned in my, my top picks, but it's Carlton's back half performance. So they're ranked 13th and 14th for Q3 and Q4 performances, whilst ranking 7th and 3rd for the, for the first two quarters, and, and I think 3rd uh, overall in terms of first halves. And they seem to be banking wins by playing you know, dynamic, aggressive, contested focus football for one half of football and then being incapable of pulling it off for the second half of the, of the game. And as you said, maybe that's the tactic. Like, we're, this is our style. We're going to commit to it. And if we have to just play finals and then reload next year and have another preseason to get more longevity, then, then so be it. But what it means is that they've won as many quarters as they've lost this year. So they're no guarantee at any stage of any game. And so mm. I want to see if that trend continues or, you know, after the buy rounds, I can turn around and start playing more consistent games of football. Mm. That being said, I think, you know, when it comes to tipping, you have, as you say, you got to tip the better side. Well, the better side for the last four, uh, four rounds has, be, has been Fremantle there. Second in contested, first in uncontested. They love to control the football. They're a defensive-minded, structured team. 
Um, and yeah, they're hard to score against. And then when they finally go inside 50 themselves, they're quite efficient, ranked in the top five that as well. And, you know, at the moment, Carlton are struggling to score once they go inside 50. And, you know, they're struggling to get that control of the game in terms of inside 50 differentials. So I'm tipping Freo, but who you got the tip for this very important top four clash? Yeah, I'll have to tip Freo as well, Gordo. Um, again, team in form. I think Carlton's just dropped off the mark a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, but like you said, it'll be interesting to see if Carlton can kind of regain that um, early first first half of the season form that they came out of this, um, came out in twenty twenty two with. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. But I'll, I'll probably tip the Dockers. Uh, they've, 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 I mean, yeah, they've beaten a few teams on the road this season, being Geelong and um, and Melbourne. So. Yeah, they've got the knack to do it, so I'll back him in to do it again. There we go. And then the rest of the Saturday slate is very much, what do we believe in? What do we believe in? So in terms of narratives this year, Geelong versus Richmond, the narrative has been both these sides are done. Their their time is over. Yes, they've played in preliminary finals. Mm -hmm. Yes, they've won premierships in the case of Richmond. Yes, they should have won premierships in the case of Geelong, but but they're done. So what are we looking for from this game? Can, can, Can beating each other confirm that they're ready for a tilt at the premiership again or are these just you know two old dogs having a scrap in the backyard it'll be interesting to watch because they're still good sides coached by good coaches mm. but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter no i, I think um it will no I, yeah i'll probably sit in the camp where it does mean a lot if you win this game because i mean we've spoken about how close uh this season is and you know, I mean, we, we all thought Melbourne was so far and beyond every other team in the competition, and three weeks later, uh, that's obviously proved us wrong. So any team, I, I, I've crossed a lot of teams off my premiership list, Gordo, but I've probably brought the eraser out um, already. And look, Richmond, if they win this, they're in the top four. But then again, if they lose, they will be hanging on to the eight. So um, it's so close. Um, any, either team can win like between Geelong and Richmond uh, there's not much separating them statistically or, or on the, and that obviously reflects on the ladder as well and their performances but yeah look this is this is going to be a tactical battle both coached by two uh, high footy IQ coaches and um, both teams are in form as well. Richmond have rediscovered their mojo, the, that sort of footy that's uh, won them premierships. And, you know, they're coming up against an, uh, an equally sound defence in Geelong. And honestly, if either either of these teams get on a roll, um, they'll be hard to stop. I don't think you'd want to play either Geelong or Richmond come finals time. So, um, yeah, I think this, this is important. You, if, if you're Geelong and Richmond, you don't want to lose this game. You want to bank the four points, um, create that gap between each other uh, in the top four and uh, the bottom four of the top eight. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting contest and probably probably the second game, second best game of the weekend. Yeah. And these sides do play very interesting contests in home and away as well as in finals. And ironically, Mm. they actually go different results. So I think Geelong in the home and away have had much better success, but obviously they've uh, missed out when it matters most in grand finals and preliminary finals. Yep. But 
Geelong knows the, the secret to beating Richmond. That's what I'm looking for is can they play this this tempo-style football with, with spread at the end? And so basically, you know, because it's the, it's the chaos, it's the high press that Richmond used defensively, can they chip around that and then go to their tall forwards? And mm-hmm. they've got some of the best tall forwards in the competition at the moment. And so as soon as you force Richmond's back six to be accountable for players all the time and not be able to just go and fill space and, and fill the next line – then, then Richmond become beatable and they become a lot more porous in defence. And so I'm looking out for that because if that works against Richmond, it's the same thing you can use against Melbourne's back six. It's the same thing you can use against Brisbane's back six. If you make these intercept markers um, accountable for a lot of the game, it's suddenly become a lot easier to score against. And Geelong has enough scoring power and enough scoring options to, to do that mm. against many sides. So uh, despite being the tiger of the pod, I'll be tipping Geelong this one there you go yes i'll be on the geelong bandwagon as well i just think like like you summed it up well there um they've got the two two of the best three or four forwards in the game at the moment uh cameron and hawkins are second and third each respectively on um on the coleman ladder so um if the cats get that ball into the forward line enough which you know they tend to do um more times than not hawkins and cameron are going to make you pay so I'll be tipping the Cats in this one. Another tough-to-tip game is Sydney versus St Kilda, the last of the Saturday fixtures at the SCG. And you're talking about must-win games. These are teams you can't really trust for the eight yet. And so I think both of these teams will be desperate to try and get four points and try and shore up their positions. So Sydney, seventh on the ladder, but a shock loss to Poor. And the Saints, they're in eighth with a shock loss to the Bombers after their not-so-much-shocking loss to the Lions, but one they definitely wanted to try and win. Do we trust either of these two sides? What are you looking out for? Who can prove a point in this game, Nicky G? I think it all comes down to St Kilda, to be honest. They're the ones coming off that uh, horrible and unexpected loss to Essendon, which I owe Essendon an apology for, actually, because I gave them zero chance uh, last week. And, um, yeah, I got proved wrong. Um, St Kilda just didn't show up. Their ball use was terrible. Uh, their decision-making was deplorable. Uh, they were trying to do too much with the ball. They couldn't break down Essendon's defence. It was really hard to watch, actually. Um, just from a neutral point of view, just seeing them just fall apart like that. Um, but this now is massive. When you lose a game like that, your season all of a sudden... Um, is on a knife's edge, and their, their next month of footy is huge. They've got Sydney this week, Carlton next week, Frio, and then the Bulldogs. So, yeah, they, they, they've got no room for error. They're just hanging on to the eight at the moment. Um, it's so tight. If they lose against the Swans, they're out, and they're all, all of a sudden chasing the pack. But the onus is on them now to respond, and that's what we're going to be looking for against against Sydney. Um, obviously, both teams still have a point to prove, and um, Sydney are playing at home. But I mean, surely St Kilda. This is this is a team that we should expect not only to be playing finals, but probably to be finishing in the top four. Gordo, they they absolutely loaded up their team with veterans and experienced players. They brought in Bradley Hill. They brought in Brad Crouch. They brought in Hanbury, Butler, Higgins, Zach Jones, Ryder. When when you bring in players like that, it shows that it shows that they're 
what their intentions are. They, they, they want to be competing for the premiership, so if they don't make finals this season, they're going to be in trouble. Um, yeah, I think questions will be asked about the coach as well. So next month is huge for them. Saturday night is huge for them, and they have to win. Absolutely. And I think it's very similar for Sydney, not so much the result, but just the way they play their football. So I'm looking out for Sydney to just show some of that energy, that kind of, you know, blood spirit, to, to use a, a poor footy cliche. But look at their numbers drop off. Yet they've never been, they've kind of been a very Richmond-esque side where the statistics don't matter too much. So they're going to be dominant in one certain area. But they're usually pretty good across the board. And they've dropped kind of five or six positions in AFL averages across across the board, across, you know, contested, uncontested inside 50 differential, and then most importantly, scores per inside 50. They used to be a team that would lock it in their front half and, and kind of dominate that time and forward 50 and then have goal sneaks and barometer players that can kick a goal from nowhere and then really turn games around, and that's all dropped off. Whereas mm. they used to be like a top four side for that for potency inside 50. So I'll be looking for Sydney to get it back. But in terms of trustworthiness, I've seen Sydney do it more and I've seen Sydney do it harder. So I'm tipping Sydney because I just don't have any faith in this St Kilda side. To, to do it and to drop off mm. as much as they have from the start of the season to now is, is very much like the, the uh, St Kilda side that we've seen and I don't see them changing it now this late in the season, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, uh, I mean, St Kilda, they should respond, but I just don't trust them, so I'll be backing in the Swans as well. Speaking of not trusting teams, you cannot pick a winner in North Melbourne versus Adelaide. It's a bit harsh to Adelaide, but... I, you just have to think that North has to win another game this year at some stage, and this is probably the most likely. Yeah. But uh, A, are you watching this game? And B, if you are, what are you looking out for? Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how all these games have just fallen into place on the same weekend. All the top eight teams playing each other, all the bottom teams playing each other. Um, yeah, North versus Adelaide, 17 versus 16th. Gordon, this, this has to be... North Melbourne's last chance for a win this season. I've looked at their fixture. They play Hawthorne in Hobart, which is a potential win, maybe. Um, They do play Adelaide again, but it's in Adelaide. But other than that, it's slim picking. This has to be a win for North. Or at least just compete. Like, if uh, if Adelaide come out, sorry, and blow North away by five or more goals, then you you can... pretty much just right north off for the rest of the season. They'll finish the season one win and 21 losses or whatever it will be. So, yeah, uh, that's what I'm going to be looking out for is, yeah, this, I want to see some uh, shin bonus spirit if that's still, you know, if that's still existing in that uh, group of players and with the coaches. Yeah, it, this has to be a win for them. So let's see if they can come out and, um, yeah, show some show some fight. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone wants to see some fight from North, but uh, I'm not expecting it. And to be honest, probably giving this game a skip. Uh, you tip Adelaide and you move on, and I see that you've done the exact same. Yeah. Someone who doesn't move on, though, is uh, Dario, number one listener. And as we get into this game, Collingwood versus DUS, he's Dario Digest is about a certain player that's been in the media this week. Time for Dario's Digest, giving you something to digest every single week. There's a lot of chat out there about the goalie at the moment, and a lot of people are saying that he's done nothing, play on. Is that the right mentality to have someone who's wanting a million dollars a year to play football? 
would love to hear your thoughts. Take it easy, fellas. So there you have it. He's had the analysis there about uh, Jordan Dugowie and the off-field incidents and, in general, you know, the general uh, behaviour and performance of uh, Collingwood players away from the game. Uh, to be honest, this is kind of like not the show for that conversation. And so, you know, if you want some more analysis or correspondence or news coverage, obviously check out Footy Live. The news stream there has all the articles you need to read about the situation, the sanctions, the fines, etc. Um my kind of question for you, though, is that how much do you think it affects Collingwood? Does, does the off-field, we've seen, again, like stuff that's been less salacious. Yeah. And Kebab you saw it with St Kilda. We saw it with Collingwood back in the day with the Brat Pack and Dane Swan. Does mm. it actually, we even saw it with Melbourne, Stephen May, the punch on it at the steakhouse. Like, do these things actually matter on, on the field or is it more just goes into the, the broader cultural situation around, you know, should footballs be better people? The obvious answer is yes. But does football yeah. being footballs being bad people equal losing games? Well, what's your yeah, opinion? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's more performance based. I don't think it'll affect their results, but I mean, it does affect their culture. And um, yeah, you'd be better off without it. I think it's fair to say. Um, and yeah, in regards to Dario's question, I mean. I don't think I don't think it's fair to say that Dugowie won't be a million dollar player uh, anymore. I think what he's done and uh, his past few incidents off field have probably cost him probably a hundred or two hundred or even three hundred k off his next contract. So it's sad to see. I mean, a lot of a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, you know, it was a suspended twenty five thousand dollar fine or whatever it was um, isn't enough," but. I think the ramifications of the actual incident um, is probably a lot worse, and that being his contract situation, whether Collingwood are actually going to offer him a contract, he might be, they might just you know flick him off, and whoever does come chasing him, um, yeah, it's it's not going to be that million dollar package. So um, yeah, it's a it's it's a sad state of affairs. Really, you don't want to be seeing this and. Yeah, that's all I can really say on it. And that's very well executed there. So what do you want to watch from this game between Collingwood and the Giants? Yeah, well, I mean, the Giants, they are a bit of a bogey side when they come come up against the Pies at the MCG. They've won their last two games uh, when they're faced there, so... Um, what I'll be looking out for, Gordo, is this GWS free-scoring footy that we've seen under McVeigh since he's come in. Um, in. In the four games he's been in, they've cracked a ton three times, and that one time they didn't was a score of 96, which they scored against Brisbane, so at the Gabba as well. So, um, yeah, they've been playing free-scoring footy. They're kicking high scores, and we always said they've got the potential to do it. They've got class on every line on that field. It's just a matter of getting that team to gel. And it seems like they're doing it. They're playing um, high-risk, high-reward footy. Even last week against... Um, I mean, yeah, it was on show last week against the Bulldogs. They scored 105 points, but they conceded 125. But, you know, if, if history is anything to go by, if you score more than 90 points against Collingwood, you win. Um more times than not, um, well, probably 100% of the time. I haven't really looked into the numbers, but going by this season, um, that, that stat is true. So um, I, I'm actually going to be tipping the Giants here, Gordo. I think, you know, if they play that 
sort of shootout style football. Um, they, I'd back them in to probably score more than um, Collingwood. They've just got more weapons. Toby Green's on fire. Jesse Hogan's on fire. Um, McVeigh has Cornelio playing back in the midfield and Lockie Whitfield playing in his natural position off halfback. So, yeah, I think they're in good shape at the moment. Yeah. And it's a real style makes fights kind of situation here. And so it's, you know, very much opposite of tracks, really. Mm. Everything about uh, the Greater Western Sydney Giants is the exact opposite of, of Collingwood. So, you know, Giants, great on the outside, at their best, free-flowing footy, great ball movement, great execution inside forward 50, not very good with contested possession, not very good with defensive structures, not very good with, you know, those non-negotiables and standards. But when you let them say, play some footy, kick a lot of points, hopefully they kick more the opposition. Collingwood, mm-hmm. as much as, you know, McRae has opened up Collingwood versus the Bucks of Collingwood, yeah. it still is very much a defence-focused and defence-first team. So they're all about contested possession and owning time around the contest. They're all about differential for inside 50. They're all about being hard to score against. But they're not, they're like almost last for efficiency inside their own forward 50. They're middle-link tier in terms of their ball use on the outside. And so, as you said, what's, what's more potent, what's better? I think when it comes to the Giants, if you say play your best footy, play some free-throwing stuff and score as many points as possible, you'll beat average to poor sides. So any team outside the top eight, really, which mm. is where Collingwood's at. Collingwood would have to execute really well to win this game. And then they start to be that, that, that defensively sound team that can work on the polish. Whereas the Giants have always had this opposite effect where they can beat up on poor teams because they have all this skill, all this scoring power, but they never actually go anywhere and do anything because they don't have that strong defensive foundation. And so mm-hmm. this is why they kind of beat sides that you think they shouldn't, but, but they do because they have so much class and so much power. So I'd be to be the Giants as well, but I don't think it's good reflection on them going forward. But... They are in caretaker mode now, so they can just play that carefree football and enjoy it and, and just kick a lot of points. So it'll be good mm. watching nonetheless. And our last game, Port Adelaide versus Gold Coast. And this is a fascinating matchup because now Port Adelaide is scrapping. They are scrapping, whereas Gold Coast, they are desperate. This is their year. You talk about staking your flag. They want to make that funnels. They want to yeah. keep Stewie Jew as their coach. They want to keep the rumours about you know, Clarko or anyone else on the, on the sidelines. And so what are you looking out for other than an absolutely enthralling contest? Yeah, well, I want to see how legitimate Gold Coast actually are. Like we, we've seen over the last month or so, their form's been fantastic. I think they've won five out of their last six. Um, they've won th- their last three against Adelaide, North Melbourne and Hawthorne. And people will say, Oh, you know, they're, they're crap teams anyway, but you, you still got to win them and win them well. And to, to Gold Coast credit, they have. And then obviously they lost that game against the Bulldogs, but then also beat Sydney and Frio. So, um, yeah, they, they've done well to put themselves in this position to compete for a top eight spot, but they're going to be tested over the next month when they, you know, face Port Adelaide over in Adelaide. They've got Collingwood next week and Richmond the week after. So, this is a real test period for the Suns. Let's see how far Jew, or let's see if Jew's actually made a difference. And this is actually a, a Gold Coast team that we can take seriously, and perhaps even one if, if that can um, make their finals debut this season if all goes well. You know, if if they come out of the next block of games, um, like if they beat those three teams I just mentioned, I'd, I'd probably have them. Um, 
locked in for a top eight spot, to be honest, because, I mean, they're competing for Port Adelaide for a spot, and if they beat them, they gain four points. Then they can gain four on Collingwood next week. And they're playing good footy as well, just like the Giants. They're hitting high scores. So, yeah, it's going to be enthralling, like you mentioned, and, you know, I'm just I'm excited. I want to see if this Gold Coast team can actually um, come out and prove some doubters wrong. So be looking forward to that. So you've got all the faith and confidence in the Gold Coast, but are you uh, tipping them? No, I'm not. I mean, I'd love for them to come out and prove people wrong, prove me wrong, and, um, you know, make a statement um, that, you know, they actually want to play finals. Um, it, uh, I mean, if, you, if you're a tipping man, I probably wouldn't back them in to do it, but it would be cool if, um, I mean, that, that's obviously what they're chasing, and, yeah, it would be cool to see finally Gold Coast just breaking that barrier. Yeah, I think... Momentum and kind of an eager goal and cohesion are kind of the three differences here between Port and Gold Coast. So I think Port has lost momentum not only week to week, but year to year. So they're not where they need to be in terms of their progression of that squad. They're not where they need to be in terms of, of like, you know, where they see Ken Hinckley as their coach and where they see the club in general. They've, they've kind of on the trend downwards now. And so that's concerning for them, whereas Gold Coast definitely on the trend up. Week to week, they're on a three-game winning streak. Year to year, this looks like the year they break into funnels. And even in terms of player development, I think they're there in terms of everyone believes that they belong at this standard. They know what it takes. They're replicating it week in, week out. So I'm going to go them to get the big away win, and the big away win will result in them playing funnels. I'm pretty confident about that. Mm. And so I'll be tipping them this week and looking out for everything that you've mentioned. Everything that you're watching out for, I think will happen. So as you would say... Watch out for it. What people are also watching out for is that the finals are rapidly approaching for Supercoach players, and that means you need to get your teams Ooh. set up, get your trades right, save yeah. some for later if necessary. It's tricky. This is where seasons aren't won now, but seasons are lost now. So Supercoach Essential Purchase, the essential guide. What have you got for our Supercoach players this week, Nikki G? Well, firstly, I'm surprised you've still kept me on this segment. I've had an absolute mare. Um, every player that I've picked over the last few weeks has turned out to get injured. So buyer beware, player beware. You don't want to be a player that's um, getting called out on, on this segment. But you know, with the with the injuries that have happened to the Ruck stocks this year, and uh, with Max Gorn going down, um, the, it's slim pickings at the moment. But I'm going to go Luke Jackson because he does have that forward to Ruck. Um, dual position, so you can just keep him in your forward line. This week, you can swing him into your ruck to, um, you know, replace Tim English or Gorn, and then just, you know, swing him back when those guys come back. So, um, yeah, I reckon Luke Jackson, but I probably wouldn't bet on that. <laughs> if, if he gets injured this week, Gordo, we're scrapping this segment. <laughs> there you go. One segment we won't be scrapping, though, is uh, put your house on it, picks. Some picks and some tips to get you through the weekend, if that is the thing that you're interested in. Nico, you've had a lot more success with this than you have with your super coach. So what's your prop and pick for the weekend? Yes, I'm looking forward to the game tonight. So my prop is um, the Melbourne and Brisbane game to be under the total points line because the last seven games at the MCG have been under. So it is obviously going to be another chilly night tonight. It will probably rain, I think. I haven't looked at the forecast, but... Looking out my window, it doesn't look promising. 
Um, so I reckon it'll be a low scoring contest. And my pick, I've got the Giants again. Giants at $2.71. I reckon, yeah, I can sniff an upset there. There you go. So I've got uh, Hungry Dogs. And so I'm with you about the excitement of tonight's game. But I think in general this weekend we're going to see some upsets or just some closer games than usual. And so, yeah, staying off at tonight's game, I'm looking at Brisbane to cover their line of 9.5. I'm looking at uh, Gold Coast to cover their line of 14.5. Those two teams, the top and the tail, I think are the hungriest dogs, and we'll see that in the results this weekend. You can take them for the win if you want, but you can, if you're given a head start, you may as well take it and make use of it. Uh, the other thing I'm going to see this week is, as I mentioned about Carlton, they love to get out of the gates nice and hard, nice and fast, and so look for them to be leading at halftime, but for Frio to uh, be the full-time leader. Carlton's wheels have fallen off pretty much every week when it comes to the third and fourth quarters, and I don't see it turning around. It looks to be a game plan. It's stuck with the trends all year round, so I don't know why Vossi would be changing it come, you know, round 15. Speaking of changing it, it's time for us to uh, get changed into our night outfits and start getting tucked into some Thursday night football, Nico's favourite night of the week. Thank you for joining me, as always, giving us your expert opinion tips and some super coach advice as well. And thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we'll be chatting to you after the weekend's action, after the best weekend of football ever.